0: enjoy
1: the message. I want to continue today. I'm really excited. Uh, You know, it started off last Sunday uh, with a series I believe God's placed on my heart called Game Time, and it's really taken time to study the book of Nehemiah. Man, so many powerful truths that we can learn from the book of Nehemiah. And we looked last week at this man's life and how He influences us today in how we're to live out giving ourselves fully to the Lord and serving God. And so uh, I want to to take some time today to continue with this series, Game Time. Uh, I believe the Lord, He wants to speak to all of us about finding our place in the kingdom of God where we can serve and be a blessing all for His glory. Don't you want to find a place in God's kingdom where you can serve and bring glory to His name? That should be everybody's desire as a follower of Christ. And I mentioned to you last Sunday uh, about this series called Game Time that there's been a lot of work put in uh, to highlight some different ministries each week. Well, today, like many of you probably saw coming in, uh, we're highlighting a ministry there under the canopy uh, near the Welcome Center right outside. We hope that you'll uh, stop by today uh, to visit those booths set up there that represent the uh, First Impressions team today. And uh, there's people out there, ministry leaders, there's some food out there. Would that help you get there? I don't know. Uh, food usually works for me. So um, we hope that you'll go by. You can get some more information about the uh, First Impressions team, or you can even sign up uh, to join one of these teams on the, uh, for the First Impressions. Like here, just I got a slide here that Miss Lisa made for me. We have the parking lot workers. This is the fit team. You got to be fit to be on the fit team now. So first impressions team, you got parking workers, you got greeters, you got ushers, you got welcome center workers, you got first responders, you got the card and call ministry that uh, sends out calls and cards through the week if you've ever received a call during a sickness or uh, received a card, it's because there's people who have a heart to do those things in this church. They want to serve. And if you serve on the First Impressions team, you're either a parking lot worker, a greeter, usher, welcome center worker, first responder on the card and call ministry, I want you to stand right now where you're at. Would you stand if you're involved in one of those ministries? Go ahead, go ahead, stand. Let's give these folks a great big hand. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Thank you all. Thank you all uh, for making a difference in serving for our first impressions team, and uh, also starting today, uh, we're going to be sharing some powerful uh, testimonies from people that I call Nehemiah's—people who are ready to uh, get in the game and make a difference—and they're serving in this local church. And through a video right now, I want to share two people from this church: uh, Sister Patricia Quinn and Brother Gary Best and hear their testimony, how serving has impacted them, and then you're gonna hear a brief message from our Connections Director, uh, Lisa Lewis. Let's play that video.
0: I'm
2: Patricia Quinn. I've been serving um, in the Welcome Center and as a greeter for a couple years now. Whether it's a warm smile, friendly handshake Um, you just never know when somebody's had a bad day and they come in and you've given them a smile and it just brightens their day it's helped me to grow spiritually grow closer to God because the Bible tells us to serve we're commanded to serve and as we serve in the church we are the hands and feet of Jesus it helps me to interact and meet new people We have a large church, and sometimes it's hard to meet people, but when you serve in small groups like this, you meet others, you work with them, you serve, and you share God's
0: love. Uh, My name is Gary Best. I've been serving with this church since 2005. I served with the uh, ushers. It's helped me grow spiritually because I just grew to love what the Lord has done for me, and I recognize how He's worked in my life. Anything that I can give back to the Lord and help serve, I enjoy doing. sure can't sing, I sure can't preach or teach, but I can open the door and I can shake a hand and say welcome to uh, First PH Church. It's helped me with people skills, uh, learning to talk with people and welcoming, putting myself in their position. Uh, it's just helped me be able to be in front of people and just get to know people and learn their needs and, and put their needs before mine. God has blessed me every day that I wake up, and just to be able to give back to Him and to His cause means so much to me. Those are things that I can do to show Him I love Him, uh, but He has blessed me and my family with so many things, and that's just something that I love to do to give back.
2: here at our church by serving if you're interested in serving in any of these ministries please visit our ministry table that is located outside the main entrance today after the service you will find people there to help you with information about these ministries and an opportunity for you to sign up we also have some refreshments available outside for you to enjoy on your way out we hope to see you there
1: Let's give our those ones that are serving in our church another great big hand. Thank you, Patricia. Thank you, Gary. Thank you, Lisa. And I uh, want to encourage you before you leave today to make sure you stop by uh, those booths today to get some more information. I want to just spend a few minutes uh, before I get into the heart of the message just to t- kind of do a quick review. You know we learn through redundancy. So I want to review a little bit uh, from last week and what we covered when we kicked off game time with the book of Nehemiah. We discovered from the book of Nehemiah that God has a game for our lives. Do you realize it's game time for us? We're living in the last days and God has a game for us and it's to win as many souls as we can and make disciples of Christ. There's a game for us and he wants us to get in the game and we should be excited about the game. I mentioned to you about how excited, how thrilled I get knowing that football season's on the way. We get excited about a football game. We get excited about a basketball game. We get excited about a lot of things. But listen, friend, like Nehemiah, we should be excited about Jesus. Come on, we should be excited about Jesus. We should be excited that he's changed our life and turned our life around. We should be thrilled that God has come in and made all things new in our life. We should be excited. We should be the most excited people walking around. I know we go through some tough times, but when we open our mouth, it should be a message of hope and a message of excitement that the Lord can change your life. We should be excited about Jesus. We should be excited about coming to church where we can be together with one another and build one another up and worship together and praise together and encourage one another. We should be excited when we get a chance to come into God's house. We should be excited about God's mission. I know we get excited when somebody's singing a song or we get excited about a word that's being proclaimed, but we should also get excited about God's mission. And God's mission that we should be excited about for this church is that we would seek the lost, serve the suffering, and share life together. That's the reason we should get excited. We should be excited today to know that there's a harvest field all around us. I told you last Sunday, 3,000 unsaved people in a five-mile radius from our steeple. That's what they tell us. Listen, we should get excited about seeking the lost and reaching them for Jesus Christ. We should be excited about doing kingdom work. I hope you're excited about doing kingdom work. And last Sunday, when we looked in the book of Nehemiah, he reminded us that it is game time. Now, in Nehemiah, it was game time for him because the people of God were in major trouble. They were in despair. And the reason they were in trouble and the reason they were in despair is because we know that the walls uh, of the city of Jerusalem, the walls had crumbled and the gates had been burned and they were in severe trouble. They were in major trouble. And God, during that time, uh, that game time, God was looking for somebody. God was looking for a player to come out of the stands. God was looking for somebody to come out the sidelines and get in the game. And the Lord was looking for somebody who would be a game changer in that day and time. And the Lord is still looking for game changers today. In these last days, he's looking for a game changer. Somebody who will come off the sidelines and get in the game. Now, Nehemiah was that one that God chose. He was the game changer. And the reason that Nehemiah was a game changer, we learned last week, I ought to quiz you right now. But I'm not. The game changer, the reason Nehemiah was a game changer is that we learned that because he had compassion for people. If you're going to get in the game and make a difference, the first thing you got to have, you got to have compassion for people. And the only way you can have that compassion is to be filled with the Holy Spirit so you can have love in your life, God's love. He was a game changer because he had confidence in God through prayer. And he was a game changer because he had courage in his life. He was willing to take a risk. He was willing to jump for Jesus and do something that he had never done before. He was willing to take a risk. And we talked about all the risk takers that we have here in this church. But I want to tell you, friend, I want to remind you one more time before I go any further. Listen to me, please. Listen to this preacher. We are living in, uh, it's game time for God. We're living in the last days and it's time for everybody to get in the game. Listen, if we're going to continue to reach souls and we continue to make disciples and continue to pour into uh, the people that God is sending here to this church, we need everybody to get in the game. Everybody. We need some Nehemiahs. We need some compassionate people. We need some people confident in prayer, knowing God will work. And we need some people who are courageous, that are willing to take the risk, to trust God, to use them. So today, as we go into the book of Nehemiah, I go into the very end of chapter 2. Last week he had the confrontation with the king and he had the burden laid on his heart about the mission. Well, we come now and go into the very end of chapter 2 and go into chapter 3. And in chapter 2, Nehemiah finally arrives in Jerusalem. He's been exiled from Jerusalem and now he finally makes his way to the city. Everything that he's heard about how the walls have crumbled and the the gates have been burned and how the people are in despair. He's heard all this, but now he's finally there and he gets to see it with his own eyes. And we pick up in verse 11 in chapter 2. Nehemiah said, I went to Jerusalem and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few men. I had not told anyone what my God had put on my heart. Some translations say uh, what God had put as a plan in my life. He says that... uh, What God had put on my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no donkeys with me except the one I was riding on. And by night I went out through the valley gate toward the jackal well and the dung gate. Examining the walls of Jerusalem. Which had been broken down and its gates which had been destroyed by fire. Then I moved on toward the fountain gate and the king's pool. But there was not enough room for uh, my donkey to get through. So I went up uh, the valley by night examining the wall. Finally, I turned back and re entered through the valley gate. The officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing because, as yet, I had said nothing to the Jews or the priests or the nobles or the officials or any others who would be doing the work. And then I said to them, You see the trouble that we're in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. He says, come let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God upon me and what the king had said to me. And here's how they replied. Let us start rebuilding so they began this good work. Say good work. Good work. Let's pray. Father, thank you God that you have commissioned us for a good work, God. God, as we look around in our world today and we see that uh God, walls have crumbled and things have been burned and things are broken and they lie in ruins and we see a lot of people in despair. We thank you, God, that you've called the church to rise up, Lord, because it's game time. You've called, you've called us, God, to step up and begin a good work, God, to reach the lost and to make disciples, God. And we pray, God, that you would just uh, help our plan succeed as we trust in you uh, as Nehemiah did and those people as well. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, when I look at that verse there in chapter 2 and go into chapter 3, a lot of things go through my mind. But when you read that, Nehemiah says to them, uh, let's rebuild the wall. And then they turn around, and I love this. You just have to look at every little word. They say, let us, let us, let us start the work. Not, not let me or let one person or two people, but let all of us begin this good work. And that just tells me today that it's game time and everybody can play. Everybody can play. I remember when I played football for the North Dupin Rebels. My freshman year playing football, you didn't play a whole lot of football because the coach wanted the most uh, experienced and the skilled players to play in the game. But on certain occasions, I do remember if we were winning real, 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 real big or if we were losing really, 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 really bad which was not very often the coach would put me in the game. The coach would let you play in the game. If you were winning really big and there was only like 10 seconds left and there was no way you could mess it up get in the game, Dale, get in the game. But you know what, I was glad to get in the game. And in my freshman year playing football, getting in the game all depended on what the score was. But I'm here to tell you today, friend, that's not how it works with God's game. God wants everybody in the game. It doesn't matter what time it is or what the score is. God wants everybody in the game. Everybody gets to play. Everybody, everybody in here today gets to play in God's game. And Nehemiah reminds us of that. In chapter 2 here where I just read, we know that Nehemiah, he arrived uh, there in Jerusalem and he started to survey the damage. And from that, we can pick up some, uh, some truth that we can apply to our life today. You can go ahead and put it on the wall, the plan, the people, the places, and the passion. He arrived there in Jerusalem and he begins to look around and he begins to survey the area that has been damaged. And the Bible says that he knew in his heart, Nehemiah knew in his heart that uh, a great work needed to be done to build back the wall around the city. He knew in his heart that something had to be done. Nehemiah, the Bible says, had a plan. He had a plan. Nehemiah knew that if everyone was going to get in the game and succeed and win, there had to be a plan. Now, let me just tell you this. I know we got some coaches uh, in here today today. And whether it's football, basketball, it don't matter what it is, friend. Listen, before any game, I can promise you the coach and his staff and the players, they're going to be working on a game plan. They're going to be working on a game plan. They're going to be studying film. They're going to be executing plays in practice. And they're going to come up with a game plan. So on game day, they're going to go out there with the potential to win because they got a plan. And Nehemiah, he had a plan. This man had a plan, and so what does he do? He calls together the team, and he begins to share the plan uh, that God had given him. And here's what Nehemiah said. He says this. He says, you all know that we're in trouble. In other words, we're losing really bad. We're losing really bad, and we need a turnaround now. And he says, listen, the city Jerusalem lies in ruins, and the gates have been destroyed by fire. And here's what he says. So here's the plan. Here's what we're going to do. It's so simple. It's so simple. What are we going to do, Nehemiah? What are we going to do? We're losing and we need a touchdown. What are we going to do? He says, let us rebuild the wall. Let us rebuild the wall and let's end this disgrace. Whatever you do, don't let us leave this field with nothing on the scoreboard. Come on, fellas. Let's don't leave in disgrace. Let's build this wall and we're going to succeed. He tells them in his plan, we're going to succeed because God is with us. We're going to succeed because God is with us. And listen, friend, you're going to succeed. Your home's going to succeed. Your family's going to succeed. You're going to succeed because God is with you. And if he's on your side and he's for you, who can be against you? So, and here's how they replied. They replied, oh, Nehemiah, you want us to rebuild the wall and you're telling us that God is with us? They said, let us rebuild the wall and let us begin the good work. There's a good work that they're going to start on. And God had a plan. God had a plan for Nehemiah. And I want to tell you this morning that God has a plan for your life as well. Listen to me. Please tune in right here. Listen, God had a plan for Nehemiah. And God has a plan for your life. Don't you ever give up. Don't you ever doubt that, friend. Don't you ever uh, listen to the enemy that tells you you're worth nothing and God cannot use you. God has a plan for your life. He has a plan for your life. And here's the problem, though. Too many Christians like to sit around and they do nothing and they wonder what God's plan is for their life. Too many Christians want to sit on the pew and do nothing and they wonder, what's God's plan for my life? And God's plan, let me tell you, is for everyone to get in the game first by making sure that you have given your life to Jesus Christ. Are you saved this morning? Do you know him as Lord and Savior? I pray that you have put your faith in Jesus. God's plan is for you to be saved, and God's plan is for you to give your life to him and give your life to others by serving. That's God's plan for your life. If you want to know what God's plan is, you look to your neighbor and say, God's plan is for me to serve others. How many of y'all remember the story in John chapter 13 when Jesus is about to uh, go to the cross to uh, give his life for us so our sins could be forgiven and before he goes on to the cross to be sacrificed, he meets with his disciples in this upper room. And what does the Bible say? The Bible says that Jesus, he took a towel and wrapped around himself and he took this wash basin and he went around to his disciples and he began to wash their feet. And do you remember what Jesus said while he was washing his disciples' feet? The only time in the Bible you'll ever see where Jesus says, follow my example. He says, you see what I'm doing? He says, I want you to follow my example and do to them as I'm doing to you. I want you, in other words, I want you to wash other people's feet. In other words, I want you to serve is what Jesus was saying. He says, I want you to take up your towel and I want you to begin to serve other people. Our problem is is we're more concerned about a title than we are the towel. We're more concerned about the position or the authority or, or if they're going to listen to us or not. And when Jesus says all that can be cast out, what you need to do is get the towel and get down there and start serving people. And that's the reason Jesus came. You open up the gospel of Mark in Mark chapter 10 verse 45. It says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to what? To serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Listen to me, church. If we ever want to be like Jesus, then we need to pick up our towel and start serving one another. Start serving one another. That's when we're more like Jesus. Did you know the Bible says this right here? That you're not saved to sit, but you're saved to serve. Did you know that's the Jeff Dell translation of Ephesians chapter 2, verses 10? You're not called. You Listen, God did not save you to come sit in a pew or sit in a chair. He saved you to serve. Listen to what Ephesians chapter 2 says. Listen to this. We are God's workmanship. You're God's workmanship. I can't help what somebody said over your life before or, or right now, what's going on in your life, but I can tell you what God says. God says you're his workmanship. And listen to this. He says you're created in Christ Jesus to do good works. You've been saved by grace, not by works. But now that you're saved, you are being created in Jesus to go out and do good works. Friend, listen. You're not saved to sit. You're saved to serve. You write that verse down. Go back later and read it. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Are you doing good works today? Are you serving? Listen to me, friend, please. Christianity is not a spectator sport. It's about getting in the game. It's about, it's about serving others all for the glory of God. Listen, God's plan is for everyone to get in the game and serve. Everyone needs to get in the game and serve. That's God's plan for your life. Say serve. And so God's plan is for us to serve. And as we move on through the scriptures there, we realize that Nehemiah had a plan and he needed people. Now, I have some favorite coaches, but one of my favorite coaches is a guy by the name of Dabo Sweeney. He coached the Clemson Tigers. Anybody ever heard of Dabo Sweeney from the Clemson Tigers? All right, we got one, two, three, four, five, okay, yeah. How about uh, Mack Brown for the Tar Heels? Anybody ever heard of him? Oh, it's getting worse now. (laughs) Can you imagine the coach coming on the field, and he's got a plan to execute for the game, and he's ready to win, and he looks around, and there's no players on the field? Man, that would be crazy. And Nehemiah realized, I got a plan, but I got to have people. I got to have people. So Nehemiah needed some workers. There was no way in the world that this man could rebuild the wall all by himself. He needed a team to execute the plan. He needed everybody to get in the game, and he ended up with a wide variety of people who started the good work. And listen, here's your homework. You got to go this week and read Nehemiah chapter 3. I know it's going to be tough to do, but you got to go read Nehemiah chapter 3. This is his team roster. This is all the players on Nehemiah's team. It's got their height. It's got their weight. It's got their specialty and what they can do. It's all there for you to see these people that were on his team. You got people like this right here that were on the wall working. You have priests. You know what? It's okay for the preacher to get right down there in the trenches and start working just like everybody else. Come on now. You got goldsmith. You got people working at Buddy's Jury working on this wall. You got perfume makers on this wall working. You got uh, men and their families with their sons and daughters that are on this wall working. You got temple servants. You got merchants. You got political leaders, and you got homeowners. It tells me in chapter 3 that the Lord uses all kinds of different people. He uses all kinds of different people, and the Lord wants to use you. Listen to me, friend. He wants to use you. Listen, no matter what you've been through, uh, your past, or where you are today, God can take those things you've been through, and he can take that and use you to bless somebody else. The Lord wants to use you today, and he's looking for ordinary people that will make themselves available, people that will make themselves available, people that will stand up and say, here I am, Lord, use me. People who will pray, Lord, what will you have me do? People who will pray, not my will, God, but what's your will for my life? That's the people who make themselves available to God. He's not looking for people with ability. He's looking for people who are available. Listen to me. Please never start serving based on your ability. If you make yourselves available, I promise you right now that God will give you the ability. If you'll just say, here I am, Lord, use me, I promise you that the Lord will equip you to do the good work. He'll give you what you need to carry out the assignment. That's why I believe the Apostle Paul could stand up and say that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can can go be a missionary. I can go over here. I can go down this road. I can go this way. I can do all things because Christ gives me the strength. Let me ask you this morning, are you available? Are you available to allow God to use you? Are you available to do something great for God? Are you available to get on the wall and begin to work so we can accomplish the mission? God wants you to be available. And he uses different people because we all have different giftings. Now, I can't get up here. You can't get up here and sing like I can. Lord, help that man. <laughs> but we're all gifted in different ways. We all are used by God in different ways. And listen to what Peter says, 1 Peter 4.10. Write that verse down and go back and look at it later. Each one should use whatever gift he has received, what? Not to edify self and not to do something great for yourself. It says everyone should use whatever gift he has received to what? Serve others. Who are you serving? Listen, friend, you use your gift to bless others. Your gift is not about you. Your gift is about giving it away so you can be a blessing to somebody else. Are you using your gifts to serve others? And then I want us to notice this about the people. If you really look into that verse in chapter 3 and start counting those people that God used, I think there's about 38 different groups of people That were on that wall working together, rebuilding the wall, rebuilding the gates, and they all worked together. And that's a picture of a healthy church displaying unity, friend. John Maxwell says, Teamwork makes the dream work. And listen, if we're gonna be used by God, if we're gonna make an impact for the kingdom of God, we have to be unified, we have to work together. Come on, church, we gotta be unified together, together, together in unison, carrying out the vision and the mission that God has placed upon this church. So God, help us to work together so we can build something for the glory of God. It's all for the glory of God. It's not about glorifying any one individual. Listen, if you're involved in serving and you're looking to get all the glory and you want all the lights on you, you might need to do a heart check, friend. Because serving is all about bringing glory to God. Bringing glory to God. I heard Dr. David Jeremiah. Anybody heard of Dr. David Jeremiah? He made this statement one time. I will never forget it. I've shared it before. He says, think about how much more the church could do if we would stop worrying about who gets all the credit. Friend, listen to me. Who cares who gets the credit? What we're doing, we're doing it for the Lord. The Bible says do everything. Do it for the glory of God. Listen, everything you do, a cup of water you give somebody, a door you open for somebody, a diaper you change in the nursery, a friendly smile, a card or a car, or being in recovery to help somebody, you do it all for the glory of God. All for the glory of God. He's looking for everyone to play in the game, and he wants us all to be together, together. Boy, the devil would love nothing more to get in and create division and to create strife and do all he can to tear some things down so we will fail on the mission. That's what his plan is. But In the name of Jesus, we will be a unified. We will be in unity together and we will carry out the mission because you know why? God is with us. God is with us and he'll help us succeed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Them little ice cream bars are coming out. Man, I know. I'm sorry. I feel sorry for y'all. I really do. (laughs) Nehemiah had the people, and I want you to know this too. He brought the people together, and he reminded them that there's a place for everyone. In other words, there's a job. There's a job. There's a job for everybody in this church. There's a job for everybody in this church. The Bible says that they were all in different places. Some were working on the walls. I think there was 11 different gates. There might have been a few more. Some were working on the gates. They all had a different place, but they all had a job to do, friend. And I think about it. I look around. Everybody here today, I don't care who you are, you have a job to do. You got a 16-year-old boy up there in the uh, sound booth today, Carter Lewis running sound. I look over here, and I see Miss Marguerite Myers. Miss Marguerite, you're beautiful. And I'm not even going to ask you how old you are, but I know something. This woman here, she will be here on Sunday mornings and she's standing over there at the door and she's passing out bulletins, greeting people when they walk in. It don't matter if you're 16 or whether you're a young 40-something, 39. (laughs) It doesn't matter what you are. Friend, there's a job for everybody. There's a job for everybody. There's a job for everybody. There's a place for everyone here at Mount Olive First PH Church. And we have to find our place and we have to start serving. And so many of you are doing things already. Some of you are doing several things. But there are some people here that just haven't found that place where they can get involved and begin serving. And we want to help you with that. Maybe your place is a greeter. Maybe your place is an usher. Maybe you're calling to serve as in the nursery. Maybe it's a choir in the choir. Cleaning. Writing cards of encouragement. It might be cooking with the benevolence team. It might be mowing grass. It could be a bus driver. It might be serving in vacation Bible school. It might be uh, serving with Upward Soccer. It might be joining the prayer team. In my, here's what I'm trying to say. There is a place for everybody at my First PH Church to serve. Amen. I remember, and I use myself as a personal reference, I, I stay out of trouble that way. In 2002, when I started attending this church, I wanted to find my place to serve. And the Lord kind of reminded me of this this past weekend when I was praying for this service, that in 2002, when I started serving in this church, I, listen, my marriage, God had restored my marriage. He had delivered me from uh, drinking and uh, methamphetamines. He had, he had delivered me and turned my life around. And I was ready, like Gary said, I was ready to give back to God because of all he had done for me. So where can I serve? Let me get in the game, coach. Put me in. I'm ready to play. And so when the door opened for me to serve, you know what I was doing in 2002? I was getting on that John Deere lawnmower out there in the barn, and I was going around mowing the grass here at the church. You know, there was times when uh, going into the bathrooms and clean the bathrooms. There was times when Pastor Doug would call me, and I would spend my days off painting out here, painting rooms, painting doors. And then all of a sudden, the door opened up for me then to go with and uh, visit the sick and, and to go and visit people who were lost. In other words, listen, when I was on that lawnmower in 2002, I never would have dreamed that God would have opened up another door where I would be serving this church as a lead pastor preaching the gospel. I'm just telling you, when you serve, God will open up doors. Listen, you you get your heart right and you begin to serve and you do it with passion, God will open up some doors that you can't even dream of. It all happened because of serving. And it's game time. It's game time. And it's time for you to find your place. And I want to ask you, are you working? Are you doing a job to help build the kingdom of God? And the last thing I want to tell you about Nehemiah and his team is they had passion. They had passion. I mean, I'm just saying now, you don't want to be a greeter or usher if you walk in here and you're just like, man, God, I got to be here today. (laughs) We don't need you. We'll find you something else to do. We'll find you something else to do. You might be good for the tractor. Lord help me Jesus it says that they completed the work and they did it with enthusiasm That spills over into chapter 4. Listen, we serve and we serve with passion. You serve because you got a passion in your life for people to be changed. You have a passion to make a difference in people's lives. You got to have a passion, friend. You got to have a passion. You're serving because you have a passion for souls to be saved. You're serving because you got a passion because you want people's lives to be changed by the power of God. When they're driving that bus, going into the community, picking up them kids, they have a passion because they want them kids to encounter God. You know, we had 22 people that were saved or made a rededication back to the Lord in the month of June. We give them all the glory. That's what, the people with a passion. A passion for people to be saved. I will never forget uh, this past October, I went to a training session. Oh, my goodness, it's 1020. Somebody needs a job in this church to wave a flag at me and say it's time. (laughs) You know, at the Brooklyn Tabernacle Church, uh, Pastor Jim Simla was meeting with a group of pastors. And uh, I had an awesome opportunity to be a part of that group. But I'll never forget these words that he told us when we got ready to leave on that last day. I will never forget it because it was a strong statement. But here's what he said. He said, he told, he told us, the group of pastors, he said, listen, if you have no passion for souls to be saved and you have no passion for lives to be changed by the power of God, then you pastors need to go back home to your church and resign immediately and do your church and do your community a favor. I, and that's my prayer. I pray it all. Lord, don't ever let me lose my passion for souls. Don't never ever let me lose my passion for people to be changed by the power of God. God, give this church passion. Passion to see people rescued. Passion to see people delivered. Passion for their whole lives to be turned around for the glory of God. Here's my thoughts on that right now. Listen, after the passion that Jesus Christ demonstrated to us that he would go all the way to a cross at Calvary and give his life and pour out his blood so our sins could be forgiven for that passion that he showed. Can I have a passion when I walk in and serve in God's kingdom? God, let us have passion today. Knowing what Jesus Christ went through on the cross in order to encourage me to have passion in my own life, to serve him with all of my heart, all of my mind, all of my soul, and all of my strength. God, give us passion. Hunter, I don't know where he's at. He said he was gonna come play the keyboard for me as we wrapped it up. He needs to come quick. (laughs) Let me just kind of review real quick here as we close it down, and then I'm gonna pray. We're gonna have an altar time. I want you to know this right now. Listen to me, friend. God has a plan for our church. God has a plan for your life, and God has a plan for this church. Let me read to you what God's plan is for this church. God's plan for this church is that we're to be a praying church, a praying church. First and foremost, we're to be a praying church. He says, my house shall be called a house of prayer. And we had one of the largest groups we've ever had at FaceTime this past Monday night. Just a powerful time in the presence of the Lord. Felt just a great uplifting of the Lord. And and man, I'm telling you, if you haven't been to FaceTime, you need to be here uh, to join us in prayer. So listen, God has a plan for our church. We're to be a praying church that loves God and loves people. Loves God and loves people. Picture the cross. We're to be a place of hope for anybody from anywhere. I heard somebody say one time, we're going to target these certain groups. Yeah, we're going to target a certain group, anybody from anywhere. We don't care who they are. If they need Jesus, they're welcome through these doors. Hallelujah. Oh, I love that. (laughs) Woo. That sounded like y'all had a microphone there. Amen. We're going, to have, we're going to be a place of hope, a place of hope. You know how many discouraged people are walking through the streets of our world today and when they walk through that door, can they just encounter the love of God and be encouraged and find hope in Christ? Be a place of hope. And we're going to be a church that's going to reflect Jesus Christ. Follow my example, he said. Follow my example. Seek the lost. I'm, listen to me. Please listen to me. Are you seeking the lost? It's not just the pastor's job. It's everybody. Listen, everybody, there's all different kinds of people on the team. Listen, everybody needs to get in the game and start seeking the lost, your neighbors, your friends. Oh, I could tell you some stories right now that would. You, 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 you disobey God and you miss an opportunity to reach to somebody for Christ and then suddenly they're gone. Man, I'm telling you right now, that's hard to bounce back from. You you seek the lost, and and God wants our church. He has a plan for us to serve the suffering. Who's suffering in your world right now? Who's suffering? Is it a neighbor across the street? Is it somebody here in this church? Is it somebody you pass by in the community? Who's suffering that you can start to serve? And then God's plan is for us to share life together. Listen, it's not going to be cake and ice cream all the way through. And we need to share life together. We need to lean on one another, encourage one another. And through all of it, I know we go through some mess. I know we do. But there's some good times. God is working. And we can share life together. And through it all, we can grow spiritually. How many of you want to grow? And that's what God's plan is for this church. And he's going to use different people to do it. He's going to use different people and He wants to use you. Are you available this morning? I'm asking you, are you available, sir? Ma'am, are you available? We all have a place to serve and we need to do it with passion. We need to do it with passion. If you've lost your passion, you need to go get in that prayer closet and you need to ask God to stir that flame, fan that flame, whatever you got to do for a passion for souls and for people to be changed by the power of God. No room for spectators. You're not saved to sit. You're saved to serve. There's a place for everybody in God's game. I pray that you'll